0: Our passion didn't start with the mouth. It started with people, with the well being of the profession. And if you're like me, maybe a little bit of your nerdiness and all things tech, too. We all want to love what we do, but the truth is, burnout, people problems, and glass ceilings can keep us from doing what we set out to do. So let's get back to the heart of connection. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. This show is about passing you the knowledge, the habits, the systems, and the strategies to lead your teams. Lean on the tech and listen to your gut while you take care of teeth. And let's get honest, the overall health of our communities. Let's stop using the wrong end of the toothbrush, y'all. My name is Dr. Kelly Tanner. Oh, and uniquely, I'm a dental hygienist too. You can consider me a guru in the dental and leadership industry. With over three decades of experience, my goal is to take you to the next level by empowering growth, perspective, and confidence. By identifying the gaps, recognizing the plaque and extracting the truth with other experts in the field. I'll share their stories, empower you to own yours, and elevate your passion in the process. So have a seat in the chair, put on your bib, and let's get to work. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Dental Handoff. Today, I have with me, my guest, (laughs) the Dr. David Rice. Hello See there, Dr. David Rice. Do you guys know Dr. David Rice? You if you don't, you need to. So David, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, and share your story. Enlighten us about all the good work that you're doing in the dental community, those who you're impacting, and just to give us some advice from all the lenses that you work through the people that you are touching every day. So to kind of start us off, would you mind telling us like why did you become a dentist? like what was your why and do you feel like in what you're doing every day does that still is that still true? Are you still serving your why?
1: Oh man I love it. <laughs> so sure <laughs> first of all I think I you know I, I like many got into dentistry maybe a little bit confused as of whether I wanted to be on the dental side or the medical side and you know I knew I wanted to help people. I knew I wanted like some sort of healing process, you know, kind of get people from a problem that they have today to a better place tomorrow. And I was really, really fortunate to have a couple cool dental people in my life. My, my general dentist was amazing. Just someone who always took the time to make me feel important as a kid. In his chair, And his whole team was that way. I thought that was awesome. And then, you know, a thousand and a half years of orthodontics, pre where we are today with clear aligners, and we're in such a better place today. But six-ish years of orthodontics and spending time with that whole team, again, they just made a really significant impression upon me on how to make people feel special and solve a problem. And, and um, that was my path to dentistry, ironically. I, and I walked in with no real background and there I was. And thank gosh, it was the perfect career.
0: That's awesome. So you, you went into it knowing that you wanted to change people's lives, impact people and look at what you're doing now. So you, how many years did you practice dentistry? And then, you know, tell us about like where you started, where you went and like what you're doing today.
1: Sure. So I, we're going to rewind the clock. Some of you, um, <laughs> I've been a dentist for 28 years. I can't believe it. Time has really flown. So I started off um, at Buffalo's dental school, graduated in 94. From there, I went on to a postgraduate program, which I still to this day debt the whole thing. Highly, highly, highly recommend. So I did a general practice residency at a hospital out of pittsburgh pennsylvania there's some incredible programs out there you have to seek the right one of course and then i moved back to buffalo i think sort of dragged, kicking and screaming family was from there and uh worked for a couple different dental practices before i found my dental home that i purchased brought in an associate week one crazy i know and um Mark became a partner over the course of a few years, brought on another dentist, same path, brought on another dentist, same path. We did a startup in addition. We bought a few other practices in addition. And today I spend probably 80%, 90% of my time working with young dentists and dental students, and 20% of my time, 10% of my time, you know, seeing patients in my practice, which is a perfect balance for me. I'm a teacher at heart, and I think. As much as I love being with my team that 10 to 20% time, I really, really love helping dental professionals sort of get where they want to go quickly because, you know, it's an ocean of stuff and a lot of noise out there. And I feel like if you and I can be a small part of people's success path, then we've really done something cool.
0: Yeah, that's so good. And I love the fact that you still practice and so you're impacting still what you're doing and you're honing your skills and then in your practice too you're able to you're able to impact and grow and then get that feedback, right? That feedback, that real live feedback on that. And then tell me a little bit like you know, we're, we've been in, I mean, we started in dentistry when we were nine. So, you know, we're like 30, right? Yeah. <laughs> <cool>. <laughs> but with the, you know, there, there's some of us who are, who are seasoned, who have the wisdom, who've been in this for a little bit. And then what's the difference in some of the, some of the things that some of the younger generation is, is experiencing that may be different than what we experienced.
1: Yeah. So I think sort of globally, no matter where you are, the debt load today is insane. It's, um, you know, if you said the average dental student comes out with thousand dollars of debt, you know, I know the ADA and the AGD have statistics, they're good statistics, but they're skewed because there are you know, there are parents who can write the check for their kids. And then there's the rest of the world. So I think their numbers tend to be lower just by average, because there's, you know a third of the people who who bring that number down but debt load is massive today i think mindset is very different today we're we're attracting a different student into dental school and i think that probably is reflective on the hygiene side too people who do want to help patients and bring amazing care but also people who are very entrepreneurially spirited today versus when i graduated where I didn't really have that mindset. I came in to be a great clinician and I learned to be, you know, a business person along the way. So those factors really bring out a totally different culture today.
0: With the mindset, are you mostly referring to the mindset of knowing that they're, that they're not only clinicians, but they are entrepreneurs, they're business owners. Is that what you mean by mindset?
1: I do. I think today's student, young dental professional is far more astute than I ever was. So they understand maybe the 360 degrees of win that they have to have. And when I came out of school, I was just thinking like, Hey, I did great in school. I'm going to go be a great dentist now. And I didn't really have an understanding of the landscape. And I think today's young professional have a much better understanding and thank goodness for that because it's harder for them to be successful today than it was for me 28 years ago, for sure. Yeah.
0: Where do you think, because I know dental schools, I mean, many of them, I, I taught at Virginia Commonwealth University and their dental school. And I know that just speaking with other dentists who've graduated, they don't have a ton of course load and, and, and bandwidth to teach these courses on practice management. So from what you're hearing, where are they learning this?
1: <laughs> okay. Can I, can I just be honest? Do it. They're sadly learning this from Facebook, which is the worst place in the world to learn it. So um, social media is very powerful and I, I love it. It helps us reach everybody and it's it's important. But I think what we have to be really, really cautious of as we kind of spend enough time in that social world is two things. One, who are we listening to? And do they have the experience or do they um, you know, only have their own experience, which could be really positive, but can also be dangerous because there's not a lot of science. There's much more opinion. And the second side of that story is, I think we inherently, human nature brings us to social media to seek affirmation, maybe instead of information. And what we really need is sound information backed by data. So I would say social media, unfortunately, is a big driver. It's been that way for a long time, right? You ask any of the big clinical learning institutions who their number one competitors, and they'll tell you. YouTube, not each other. So this is not new. I think it's just exploded.
0: Yeah. Cause it's not like they have the ADA seal of approval on the back, like our toothpaste does. Right. And they can just say, Oh, I know this is recommended because it's this. Yeah. How do they go about? I mean, and of course, you know, we have so much, available to us now through podcasts, through YouTube, anything visual audio that we could possibly want to consume as that consumer, as at any part of our life, do you, is there a way for them to vet this process? Like, what would you recommend to that person who's looking for information? Like, how do they say, okay, this is the person I I should listen to?
1: That's a really great question. And for me, I think it's, there are a few pieces to that answer. First, I'd say is birds of a feather flock together, right? That's a life truism. So when you start to see people sharing information, see who they hang around with. And if these people have a lot of education behind them, then they're probably somebody who you can say, gosh, they're bringing something to the table. The second side of that is when you've sort of narrowed that pool to those folks is understand um, that your gut really knows a lot, right? The the whole vagus nerve thing and and our gut knows before our brain knows. So when somebody resonates with you, stick with them. And instead of kind of trying to travel down a hundred lanes, travel down three, four, or five lanes and dig deep with a smaller group of people. And then, you know, third piece, I guess, is trust but verify. Do your homework. You know, don't just take my word for it because I'm here sharing with you. Go go do your homework on me, learn my background. Am I still practicing or am I not? As you know, as a clinician, if I'm giving you clinical advice and I'm not in there with patients, my opinion doesn't matter. Um, Same thing on the business side, same thing, the leadership side, all those, you know, make sure you're doing your homework.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a really good point because it's, I know even too, that I'll get recommendations from people to say, okay, did you take that certification? Did you um, sign up for that training or something that was really powerful? And so I find too, that if I hear it several times, especially if a person's name comes up for me, like a couple of times in a week, I will stop literally what I'm doing. And I will try to find that person with email and say, apparently we need to meet because your name has come up like two or three times. What do you have? And of course I'll, you know, research them because I just stop in my tracks because like you're saying, yeah. it's more than a feeling, right? And that I think there's a song behind that. <laughs>
1: I think there is. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you're feeling <It's, dating> yourself.
0: <laughs> you know, I, I embrace it. it. It's okay.
1: <laughs> I'm with you. I'm totally with you.
0: Now that song's gonna be stuck in your head forever. For I know. <laughs> Thank you. Then with, so I'm hearing debt issues, which are, is that new though? I mean, dentists were, is, I I know that tuition's increasing, but is that something that's new?
1: So schools have thought on that. It's not new. You know, 28 years ago, I graduated with $250,000 of debt. So, you know, if you tag the whole inflation theory to it, what would my number be today? However, I think that number scaling so quickly now, you know, there are, I'm gonna say um, not to put labels on it, but there are traditional dental schools that have been around for you know 150 years and they charge X. And then there's some newer, you know, distinctly for profit schools, and they charge X times 30%. Which isn't to say that they're bad dental schools, but when you are assessing walking into dentistry as a profession, it is incumbent upon you, the applicant, to again do your homework. Uh, don't get into school, come out 500 grand and then complain about it. That's your choice. So figure out what it's going to be and know what schools charge you know, up here and know what cities will cost you more to live in. And at the end of the day, I'm, I'm here to tell you that whatever dental school you go to or hygiene school or assisting school, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. So if you bring forth a 10 out of 10 maximum effort every single day, I don't care where you go to dental school. You're going to get a great education. So, you know, you don't have to choose one that costs you $150,000 a year because it's better. It's not.
0: Yeah. Now that you're saying that, I think that traditional school of what I th- thought about, you know, like the the university settings, that the, yeah. the, the things that we knew about 30 years ago, the schools that were there, I just... Yeah. Not going to dental school, going to dental hygiene school—it was kind of all the same playing field. But then, as years go by, they do pop up the for profits, and so I see your point there. And is there advice that you offer through what what you're seeing that you provide to those students who are coming up against this? Like, what kind of advice could you give to them?
1: Yeah, you know, I would tell I would tell you on the on the simplest level because we could really dive deep in this, but on the really thirty thousand foot view is live lean. I get it. I remember being a student and there's lots of stuff I wanted and I wanted to sort of kind of reward myself for how hard I was working. So yes, should you go out and grab a bite to eat? Should you go do fun things? Should you take a vacation? You definitely should. Balance is very important. Your um, health and wellness is number one through this process. However, you know, don't go out for a $200 dinner every week. Be reasonable. Don't take a $5,000 vacation. You know, every year be reasonable. And certainly when you walk across the stage, don't get doctoritis and go out there and buy like the fabulous new car, new house, new boat, and all those things. You're, you know, if you live lean your first one to three years after school, like you did in school, I promise you, your student debt will be no match for your financial wellness and, and you will, you'll crush it.
0: That's really good advice. I think no matter where you are, because I know that with me with hygiene school, I was like, yes, I get to make X amount of dollars an hour because yeah. you're going from a minimum minimum wage job, you know, where you're in school, if you're still working, I had, you know, four jobs while I was school in school full time. And, and I and I'd sort of already spent the money before I even had it. <laughs> <In my mind. laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> And then I can only imagine with with dentists, with all the tech and all the, ooh, you know, the shiny objects and the value that you can provide with the new technology sure. to make efficiencies. I'm sure that that's all very it, it forms almost like an internal external conflict for people. So you're saying live lean. I mean, do what you just did in dental school, right, to get through it and to do the things that, you know, for and to take care of yourself and for the, for the main things that you need to do. Enjoy yourself, take care of yourself and your health and your well being and your balance. Um, and, And I know that this is a deep topic too. So besides that, that, and you're talking about also the mindset, are there any other challenges that the dental students or hygiene students or anyone are coming out with that they're saying, I just, I need help. Yeah. Is there anything else beyond those two?
1: Sure. So, you know, insurance reimbursement today, you know, if you're in an office that participates with insurance, they're reimbursing new practitioners at a much lower rate than they would reimburse you and I. So, you know, we're contracted at a certain number and then younger clinicians, unfortunately, are getting contracted at a much lower number for the same work. And it's just the insurance companies have kind of drawn a line in the sand and said, here's what we're willing to pay today. And it's very different from what they were willing to pay five years ago and 10 years ago, not in a positive direction. So as a young you know, clinician, you have to figure out how to be very effective with your time. And you mentioned technology. So um, you know, things I would do, instead of you know, investing money in all the fun, I'd invest money in me you know, you are your own best investment. So, train up on all the things you can clinically, um, patient communication, leadership, team building, those things matter. Um, Invest in the right technologies, prioritize them so you can streamline your process. And maybe you can do a procedure in 20% less time with maintaining that like clinical excellence level. So, those are the things that are happening. And, and, you know, just a little bit of, if, if I'm a young dentist today, how I'm going to lean in and try to fight it.
0: Yeah, that's good. And I like your point too. I think that we can overlook so many times that investment that we're putting into ourselves, we go outward for that to say, Oh, there's this. And you forget that you have to learn how to create a workflow with your people and your team. Yeah, (laughs) it kind of matters there's all these people you got to talk to to make it happen. And how are you going to bring that and get the buy-in and not really buy-in, but to create that value to your team so they can see it. So they want to use it. And so you don't have these places where you're running up against resistance with your team. And then two, how are you keeping your team? You know, yeah. and that, it, that is so difficult. I, and especially with now where people are sort of just exchanging employees. I think it's starting to slow down a little bit right now, but it's, you know, not the great resignation. I think but it's a great shift in where people are going <laughs> is what I'm understanding.
1: So that's a really great point. If you said the number one issue in all of dentistry today, despite, you know, age is, you know, hiring and keeping your team. Yeah, I mean, most statistics point to this thing isn't over for another two to two and a half years. That's a real thing to understand. And two, a third, roughly a third of team members are saying, like, I don't know if I want to do this tomorrow. And maybe I don't know if I want to do it with you. So, building, having strong leadership skills and building strong culture is important, you know, knowing what matters most to your team members is important. And then, you know, kind of living in their world and bringing them with you to to keep your team because there's some practices that do really, really well. And they are light years ahead of everyone else.
0: And why is that?
1: Their um, two biggest pain points today of team members, at least per per data, is um, you're not paying me enough. Like it or not, that's where we are. And number two is the um, my workplace experience is far below what I think it should be. And you know, if COVID uncovered anything, it's that we must address those two pain points for our team, or they will move on to somebody who will, whether that's within dentistry or or outside of dentistry. So they're big
0: with reimbursements decreasing. Mm-hmm. here's the question and, Can I exit? <laughs> and um, go exit stage right <laughs> you're like that uh with reimbursements uh decreasing and then salaries increasing how does what is your advice to dentists on how to balance that
1: okay so i'm gonna go in a couple different directions on purpose because i know dentistry is very divided on this If you asked me for my perfect recipe, and if you were to ever call me up on the phone and say, hey, can you help me? I would say, get out of network now. Now's your time. Patients understand more than ever value. They're paying more for everything today. So this is your opportunity to get out of network. But for all those of you who say like, easy to say, get out of network, then what I would say is, if that's not your jam, then you have to... You have to bring technology into your practice to become an additional team member who never gets sick, who um, never talks back, who never asks you for more money. You have to bring in processes and tech. Sorry, team members. True story. Um, and, and, And maybe not bring it in, but maximize what you already own. So everybody here probably has like a Ferrari in their dental software that they drive like a Volkswagen. But if you just learned everything that software was capable of, and you taught one, two, or three team members how to really use that software, you would find at least an extra hour in every day. That's a lot of time to be productive. And um, the other side of that is, if I'm you and I want to stay you know, in-network because that feels like too big of a thing, is start really researching in-office membership plans. Yes. That is a your ticket to converting patients to your version of dental insurance. And they're very, very effective. There are some that you, you and I can literally write a check. And there are some that we can write a check and they'll teach us how to build our own plan. So, you know, in years to come, we don't necessarily have to write that big check. We write just a little check. And that's a both our options that work really, really well, depending on size of practice and how committed you are to doing the work.
0: And I love what you said too. And membership plans become so popular because they get the patients get one hundred percent of their money, just about. It's yeah. not a reimbursement. Like it's you know, it, it's just such a difference for the office. But they can re they can feel reassured that they're getting one hundred percent of their money. So yep. quits. it keeps the money in the practice and. It affects so many things. And I love, too, how you talked about the technology that tech, like I talk a lot about iTero and different technologies. Those are those are your team members. They're helping yeah. you scale your business. No pun intended, but pun intended. They're helping yeah. you scale your business because they can help you grow it and become more efficient and help your workflow and take some of that that burden off. And I'd love, too, what you said about you have the Ferrari of that practice management system, but you're making it a Volkswagen because you're not using all the the good stuff out of it. So you can see the numbers. So you can see just your fruit that's already on the ground, like how you're – how your reports are looking, just patients who are just waiting to be called back by you that are just sitting right there.
1: That's a really excellent point to add on to is, you know, friends, if you're not measuring what's working in your practice, then it might feel good or feel really bad to you, but you don't actually know what's happening in your practice. So start using all the tools you already own, you've already paid for and figure out what's working really well, do more of it. What's really not working so well, drop it. Or, or scale it back.
0: Yeah. And and just say, okay, we're transitioning out of this. Yes. And here's here's our exit strategy, basically.
1: Yeah. I'm working with an amazing practice in, uh, in New Orleans right now. And what we discovered together when we started measuring everything is there is a particular insurance that they've worked with that generates, I don't know, 10% of what they pull in mm-hmm. and costs them about 40% of their time. So we just sat back and said, like, okay, does, does does that math make sense? And they're like, no, that math doesn't make any sense. I'm like, okay, so let's figure out a strategy. We're not going to just drop it. That would be silly. But let's figure out a strategy of how we remove ourselves from that. And, you know, and here we are just four months later, and they haven't missed a beat on the revenue side because now they have so much more time to take care of the people that actually makes sense to care for. and. Um, their 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 profitability just skyrocketed and it was just fear holding them back. So, you know, think smart, think
0: different. Because I think that you feel like you're going to negatively impact that patient if you say, we can't, we we can't continue to do business with insurance. And here's why. And the patient's like, what, whatever. But the thing the point that I always try to make too is if you're if your customer service and your team service and how you make that patient feel, that experience, that value you create in the office is on point for that patient, they're not going to go anywhere else.
1: They're not. They're not. And, and if and if they're the random person who says, "Hey, I really need to try to go somewhere else," and you manage that, you have sound verbal skills, which I know you teach a ton of, where you you know you you know with a smile, you you know you let them go and invite them to always come back when they go to a place where the bar is here, instead of here, they're going to call you back in a heartbeat.
0: So you can almost sense it when that, when an office isn't the same as what you're used to. It's like, okay. Yeah. Like yeah more than a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> so David, how do people, how do people find you? Like how do they tell us about what you do day to day? I know we have a few minutes left, but sure. how do people find you? And what are you doing?
1: So um, day to day, I work with dentists, students and teams of all ages, but primarily if you're on the younger side, or maybe if you're me 28 years deep and you're still young at heart, I'm like, you know, maybe I'm the mental age of still like a 13 year old. So if you're me and you're older, but you feel younger, we help you get from where you are to where you really, really want to be. And that's on the business side. That's, on, I think, just on the, the happiness factor. I think I'll, each of us measures success in a very different fashion. It's not my job to tell you what success is for you. It's it's just my job to help you get what you want out of life. And you know, as far as reaching out to me, there's a few ways. My email is david.rice at ignitedds.com. You are always welcome to email me. And if it's just easier for you to reach out on social media, you can you know follow us at ignite dds whether that's on um, instagram or facebook i'm on both i'm on facebook as well as my name you know david rice so you know hunt me down i'm fairly easy to find reach out in the way that helps you best and i will get back to you within about 48 hours just depends if i'm on the road in front of a group or with patients
0: you travel quite a bit with what you do as well and as well as seeing patients
1: Yeah. It's, you know, it's fun. I I love virtual and virtual has saved us and is an incredible opportunity for us to connect more regularly than otherwise. Um, But I do like getting person to person whenever I can too.
0: Oh, it's such a different experience. Well, we'll be sure to put uh, Dr. Rice's information in the show notes. And Dr. Rice, it was such a pleasure to hear from you today and just and get that peek into what is happening, how things are different, how they're the same, but how you go about them and what you're seeing that helps people too in the dental office and the advice and what you give and thank you for all that you're doing for the profession day to day because it's it's about empowering people to know that they can figure out everything is figure outable. It's that fear that's holding them back from that other side like you said so many times. Yeah. So thank you so much for being with us. If you all enjoyed today's episode, we would appreciate the favor of a five-star review on Apple. Thank you. And we will see everyone next time. Thanks again, Dr. Rice.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Be well. Thank you.
1: You